Corinth, and he's answered a lot of questions, uh, obviously. And this is what First and Second Corinthians really is. If you notice, and if you catch it as you're reading along, he's answering questions that they have sent to him about certain things, and he's and he's answering them. You know, of course, we don't have that those letters that they sent him, but what we have here that God wanted us to have is uh, his reply uh, to those. And uh, so he's answered a lot of questions. And he is here in chapter 13 at the end of the second letter, and he's warning them. He's warning them, hey, I'm going to be there in person. I will be there very soon. I'm going to deal with the sin that hasn't been dealt with. Um, He says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, he said, I'm just not going to make an assessment on my own. I'm I'm going to make sure. We're going to get some, you know, you can go back to Deuteronomy, I think chapter 19 it is. If you're going through your Bible reading uh, in a year's time on that schedule, you were just there when it says one one witness shall not rise up against another, but by the mouth of two or three witnesses, you know. Paul says, I'm going to come with two or three witnesses. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to check everything out, but uh, I'm going to deal with this. And he is, he is coming. And uh, so somewhere in their letters back and forth to Paul, somewhere, somehow it was, there's been a lot of questioning on Paul's position and on Paul's authority as an apostle. Really, even in, as we'll see here in a little bit, if you remember uh, back a couple chapters, even there's an inference about his own salvation. You know, I I think there's a little, little inference there about that. And he says, I'm not going to spare this time. He says, since you seek a proof of my apostleship, you're going to see it. You're going to see it. Why? He's going to come in the, in the power of the Holy Ghost of God. And they're going to know, notice that and they're going to see that here. So, now tonight Paul is going to turn the questions to them. And he's going to use a word here that he has used before in 1 Corinthians. And he's going to use it here again in verse 5. And let's read chapter 13 verses 1 through five, he says, This is the third time I'm coming to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Shall every word be established? I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time. And being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned. And to all other that if I come again, I will not spare. Since you seek a proof of since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall be alive, we shall be alive with him by the power of God toward you. I'm sorry, but we shall live with him. If I could read tonight. But we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Here's verse 5. Here's this word. Examine. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. So we're going to look at that tonight. Now, Father, we thank you for your word tonight, and we ask you as we dig into this, God, that you would uh, just illuminate your word by your Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, that you would teach us tonight, that you would correct us and convict us where it's needed. And uh, Father, that uh, wh- whatever you seek to do in our hearts tonight, we, we know it, it's got to be by thy spirit. I can't, I can't do it. Uh, uh, nobody in here can do that work that only you can do. When we, so we'd ask you to do that work tonight. And we lift up those that are not here because of sickness and health in that way. We ask you to restore them to health and, 
and bring them back to us soon. And, and uh, we just thank you, God, for what you're going to do. And uh, thank you for those that are here tonight. Would you bless, bless in a special way? And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here this word examine. Now, there is a contextual, we're talking about there's a, there's a contextual meaning in this verse. And I believe there's also a biblical principle in this verse that I'm going to show you that throughout the Word of God. But we see here tonight, uh, and I want to look at this as, a, you know, kind of a, I guess if you want to look at a title for you, uh, a time, uh, you could call this a time to examine yourself. And here, uh, Paul is, is using this word in a, for a specific purpose within the context of chapter 13. Now, being true to context, uh, it can take a lot of work. Being contextual is not for the lazy. Let me say this. It's not for those who want truth. It's not for the, I mean, who don't want truth. Right? Say, you know, not desiring context. Let me make sure I'm getting all those right. Uh, to, to seek to be contextual, to seek to find out what the verse is saying in, in the context of the chapter, it takes work, right? What was I saying? It's not for the lazy. It's not for those who have an agenda. That's what I was trying to say. It's not for those who have an agenda and are trying to do something else with the text and twist it to, for their own purposes. Being true to context, I believe, is, uh, is like the number one of importance. It really is. Because anything out of context, maybe you've heard this before, but uh, you know, anything taken out of context uh, becomes a pretext. Well, what is a, a pretext? It's just something that is, you put forward to conceal the true purpose of the passage. That word, that word uh, pretext is, is, is a Latin derivative and it literally means to weave in front. To weave in front. So people who purposely take things out of context do so, I would agree with this, for a personal agenda. Many times they have a personal agenda in doing so. I, I would say there, there, there are some out there that are just, it's out of ignorance and they don't understand it. But there are those that know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly how they're doing. And watch this, if you really think about this closely, um, if you're going to take something out of context, if you're going to look at something and not taking into, con- into consideration the, the, the history and, and the, the, the verses around and, and the subject matter of who they're talking to, all we're talking about context here. If you, if you don't seek to use that and you want to pull it out for your own devices, it, you, it now makes you the arbiter of truth. You get to decide. That's one of the problems with um, with going to the Word of God in a in, in not in a literal way, right? Like we ought to, but in a spiritualized and figurative way. All of a sudden, you get to become the one who decides what truth is, and we don't want to do that tonight. I don't. I, I know nobody in this room wants to do that tonight. We have heard very powerful preachers, and I should say powerful pulpiteers, that have stirred the masses with a text taken completely out of context. And I'm telling you, I've heard him like, wow, that was great. Has nothing to do with what the text says, but man, was that good, right? I've, I had a friend of mine who would go up to a certain event in uh, Indiana years ago, 
And he said, man, I was standing up and I'm waving my Bible. He goes, I didn't, I didn't agree with a thing the guy said, man. But man, it was great, man. It was great. And uh, it was so off base, you know. I was like, oh, it was pretty funny. Yeah. You know, the Word of God is too powerful to have to resort to that. God says it accomplishes what He intends it to. He doesn't need our help in twisting it, right? So, we're looking at context here. What is the contextual meaning of verse 5? Well, multiple times this church has questioned Paul's authority, even his relationship. Watch this. Go, go back to chapter 10 real quick, if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse number 1. He says, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present, that that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Right? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. There's some people that were questioning their very walk, accusing them of just, maybe at the very at the very least, of just walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. But look what, look down at verse 7. Do you look on the things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ's, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ's. Right? There is some questions going on uh, about Paul's uh, position, about his authority, possibly Possibly at the very worst, maybe some were questioning his salvation, whether he was of God. At the very least, some were questioning whether he was just uh, walking in the flesh and wasn't walking in the spirit. But watch this. The church at Corinth has been examining Paul. They've been examining his authority. They've been examining his his sincerity. They've maybe possibly even come to the part of examining his salvation. So Paul is responding to the multiple questions and accusations. And in essence, what he's saying is here, you have examined me. Now, why don't you go examine yourself? Remember verse 3, since you seek a proof of Christ in me. Back, back to our text, chapter 12. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, not a, let, let me back that, not a proof of Christ in me, but a proof of Christ speaking in me. Right? That, that, boy, I just about changed that, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. He says, since you seek that, right? Verse 5. He said, examine yourself. Examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. What is the desired result of examination? Well, here, it's, it's substance, whether you be in the faith. And I think it's, there's an aspect of self-scrutiny, right? Prove your own selves. Right? And, and maybe, you know, sincerity as well. But think about this. If Paul is not saved or just doesn't have apostolic authority, what does it say about the church at Corinth? Right? If they're going to go, I mean, think about all the problems they have. Think about all the sin that he's got to come with and deal in the church. Think about all the things that they have just not grown on in Christ. If they're going to accuse Paul of not being where they, he thinks he is, what does that say of them? And so what's he saying? Well, examine your own self, man. Right? Really, there's a good connection here to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, isn't there? 
Remember Matthew chapter 7, 1 through 5, Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged, and with me- what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And then remember this, he goes on to say, Why beholdest thou the mote in, that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is, is in thine own eye, thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. What is the guy supposed to be doing here with the big pole coming out of his eye? Well, examine yourself. (laughs) Right? He's looking at that little thing you can't quite see in that guy's eye. That little sin. That little uh, annoyance. That little thing that just uh, maybe isn't quite biblical. Right? And he's looking at that. He's like, I can't believe that. Right? All the while, I mean, this guy has a list of, of a lifestyle he's living in, right? It, the, the principles here are the same. Paul said, examine yourself. You, you want to look, look me over? Go look yourself over. See how you look, right? Examine your own beam, right? So he says here, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith... Prove your own selves. That, mean, that word there, prove, means to test, right? Now, notice what he goes on to say. It kind of connected with the word proof. Know you not that your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Now, that word reprobate there many times is, is used in, in, in terms of uh, uh, talking about gold and silver and things like that, right? Things that are, that are reprobate, things that are, are uh, testing something that does not stand the test, Right. Somebody brings in a, a gold ring to the jeweler. They say, this is gold. And uh, the jeweler will pull out something called a touchstone. And they'll put a chemical on there. And they'll strike that ring on that touchstone. And that touchstone will tell them whether that's 12 carat, 14 carat, 18 carat, 22 carat, or 0 carat. Right? Or whether it's fake. It won't show up at all if it's fake at all. And what it's doing, it's testing the purity of the metal. And there's a way to do that. This is what he's saying here. Except you be reprobate. What is reprobate? Well, it's that, it's that gold, it's that silver that doesn't stand the test of purity. It's a, and so Paul says here, examine your own self. Unless you don't pass, unless you don't pass the test, right? He said, if you don't pass the test, Jesus isn't in you. He said, if you do pass the test, right, uh, how, you know, know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates? No, he's in you unless, unless you're not passing the test. He's in you unless you're fake. He's in you unless there's something wrong there. And so in verse 6, he says, you're going to know that Christ is in us when I get there. Right? <laughs> That's quite a deal. But I trust that you shall know that we are not reprobates. Why? Because he's coming personally to deal with the sin in the church, and they're going to find out. Yeah. Don't worry about me, I think, is what's going on here. Don't worry about me. Take the energy towards me and direct it toward yourself. And that's a great admonition, isn't it? For all of us. For all of us. Before, we, before we're so ready to figure out if somebody else is right, why don't we make sure we're okay? Be a good, good way to... Could you imagine if everybody just lived like that on a daily basis? a lot better place <laughs> so there's a there, there's a contextual uh, this is this is where we are in, in context here in chapter 13 
You examine me, fine, examine yourself. That's a good thing to do. Now, there's also a biblical principle that's in here, too. The contextual meaning really does follow the biblical principle of self-examination and the possibility of somebody not passing the test. Let me give you some texts, other texts here in the New Testament on examination. Go to 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I find it interesting that the Apostle Paul in the New Testament is the one who uses this word examine in both letters only to the letters to Corinth and nowhere else. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Here he is, another problem. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are ye not my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet, if, uh, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. Here we go. People are questioning his apostolic authority. And uh, he, so he goes on to say, Mine answer to them that do uh, examine me in this, have not we power to eat or drink? Have we not we power to lead about a sister or a wife as well as an apostles? And as the brethren of the Lord and even Cephas. He's like, hey, can't we, can't we uh, make a living like everybody else says? You'll see this later. Our, our, I mean, don't we have authority? Don't we have this? But here's that word here. My answer to them that do examine me is this. What were they doing? They were trying to find out the purity. Uh, they're trying to test. They are testing Paul whether he is, in fact, truly an apostle. And he says, here you go, if you want to examine me, what about this? So here's where he uses this word examine here. We see the same thing about examination. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. It's going to come up again. And you know the context of this one here, of the Lord's Supper. Remember, they're taking, partaking of the supper unworthily. Remember, in an unworthy manner. And Paul says, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So you see that we have a, a few texts here using, using the word examination, the same thing. It's a self-introspect. You see this? It is the individual looking at themselves and examining. Right. Now, in chapter 9, they were examining Paul, and they should have been examining themselves. And this is what he gets to in chapter 5 of, of uh, 2 Corinthians 13. But I want to show you another passage back in the Old Testament. Same word. And we see here a test of fellowship. Go back to Psalm 26. The 26th Psalm. Psalm 26. And look what David says. Verse 1. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. He's not going to backslide. I like that. Examine me. Oh, there it is. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. That's a testing. Try my reins and my heart. Now, David isn't examining himself, but we're seeing a, a principle here of examination, uh, this test of fellowship. David is asking God to examine him. 
David is asking God to try him, to test him, to see whether what is in his heart, right, his moral character, whether what is in his, look at this word, reigns, what they believe with the seed of emotion. Watch this, not only a seed of emotion, but affection. David said, God, examine my affection toward you. Boy, that's a good one, isn't it? I wonder how many of us have lost our affection towards Jesus. I remember this woman's lady at church once, year, several years ago, singing a song. And one of, the, one of the lines in the song is a beautiful song. And she said, Lord, I adore you. I thought, what a word. I mean, I just sat there listening to that. I thought, what a word. I adore you. David said, Lord, would you examine my heart? Would you examine my reins, the seat of my emotions, the seat of my affections towards you? Would you examine them? So we see that word examination, kind of a test of fellowship. David is asking God to run the test and let him know how he comes out. It's pretty good, isn't it? But I want you to show you something else. There's also, I think what comes out of, again, out of Matthew chapter 7 is a test of relationship, of actual relationship. Not fellowship, but relationship. Matthew seven twenty one Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. When does one enter the kingdom of heaven? Is that a trick question? <laughs> well, the Bible says, what well, you know, the kingdom is, is, doesn't come by observation, right? But it's within you. So we enter the kingdom of heaven at salvation. Right, And so, not everyone saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. This is interesting here because it, there's also a, a, a view of a, of a coming day as well. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What is the will of the Father? Remember Jesus was being baptized? And the Father said, this is my beloved Son, who I am well pleased. Hear ye him. What did Jesus say? Well, you must be born again. Right? That's simple. So, he said, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils in thy name? And in thy name done many wonderful works, and I'll profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Do you know, there, there, it is a fact that there are those who do believe they were in the kingdom, but Jesus said, I never knew you. There are those who were preachers. There are those who are miracle workers. There are those who built great works for God. Yet Jesus said, I never knew you. So how do you test for this? Do you think at some place in time somebody should have examined themselves? To see whether they were in the faith? I think this principle draw, bears out throughout the Word of God. There's, there, is, there is also this aspect of testing our own selves, of examining our own selves in the faith uh, to see whether we are in the faith. So how do you test for this? Well, I think there are four things that God does in the life of a child of God that reveals a relationship with Him. There are some tests <laughs> that we can look at. There are some things, let me say it this way, there are some uh, attributes or actions in the life of a child of God that let us know that uh, we are a child of God. 
You know, one of the greatest things I believe there is for somebody when they, when they are looking at their relationship, wondering, and you hear this um, uh, at times, boy, I don't know if I'm really saved. Am I really saved? You know, and, uh, and listen, there are times when people go through that. There are times when uh, there are times of doubts and wonders and questions. Uh, most, I, I, I'll tell you what, a lot of the times what you'll find out in a child of God, those doubts are coming because there's probably some sin somewhere in their life. Right? Because what does sin do? It puts a, a space between God. I'll tell you what, you get far enough away from God, it feels like, you, like before you were ever saved. He's a thousand miles away. And, then, and you're in such a mess and a... And uh, you just feel like, then you start going, well, man, boy, I don't know, am I saved? Am I saved? That happens. It does. So what are some indicators that you're a child of God? You know what one of the greatest indicators of you being in God's family is? Is a conviction of sin. Yeah. Conviction of sin. I don't know how your earthly parents were. But I know this, our Heavenly Father corrects His children. And the Holy Spirit of God convicts us of sin. Remember in 2 Samuel chapter 12, David, oh my goodness, he is in a mess, a, a wicked mess. He has, he has committed adultery, he has killed Uriah, uh, his, uh, he's taken Bathsheba and made it look like, and tried to cover it all up. Nathan has come to him, and if you really look at this, Nathan was really the conviction in his life. Drew this whole picture out. I mean, David's furious. This, this rich man came along and he had a friend and he took this poor man's lamb, the only one he had, and he took it and he killed it. And David's like, fourfold and find him. And blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, he's mad at the shepherd. He's mad. Nathan says, thou art the man. Conviction. You know what David did immediately? I have sinned against God. You know what Nathan's response was? Good. You won't die. Whew. We're going to get this. We might get there again here in a little bit. But yeah, some children get taken home. Absolutely. But one of the greatest tests of being a child of God is the conviction of sin. The conviction of sin. David said, I, had sin, I have sinned. Why? Nathan brought conviction to him. God told him to go to him. Right? Now, I don't want to step ahead of myself here, but they didn't have the indwelling spirit of God. Yeah. Like we do today. So God told Nathan to go do it. First Thessalonians 5.19, we're told to quench not the spirit. Watch, this was written to believers. Believers don't extinguish the working of the spirit of God. You know, you, what does that mean? The Holy Spirit of God has a work of convicting, has a work of, of comfort and encouragement. And yes, we love that. But he also has a work of convicting us of sin. If you are born again, you will be convicted of your sin. Listen to me. You cannot sin and get away with it. You can't sin and enjoy it anymore. You cannot sin and just go your merry way and have no consequences of an indwelling spirit of God within you. If you can live that way and have no problem over your sin, you are not saved. You're not. But to the child of God, you can say, oh, thank the Lord for conviction. I don't like it, but I love it. <laughs> right? Amen. Conviction of sin. Here's a second one. Chastisement. 
Chastisement is an evidence. It's, it's, a, it's an evidence. Psalm 38, 1, David again, after the sin, he said, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy, hot, in, thy, in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Chastening. Revelations 3, 9, God said revelation, singular. I said plural, it's singular. There's only one revelation. He said this, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Can I tell you, God chastens his own, right? To chasten means to, 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 to chasten by the afflictions of evils and calamities. That's how God chastens us. And he only chastens his own. As many as I love, I, re, I chasten, be zealous, therefore, and repent. Sometimes there's a reason the money runs out. Sometimes there's a reason the doctor bills grow. Sometimes there's a reason that your children are having problems. These can all be warnings from God. These can all be areas and ways and calamities and afflictions of evil that God is chasing in us. No, watch. It is an evidence that you are His. Right? It, 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 it's, it's, it's not that something's wrong. It's, well, it is that something's wrong, but it's also that something's very right, that you belong to Him. There's sin in your life and God wants it gone. Why? Because the sin separates the fellowship between you and your father. Chastening comes because you are a child of God. That's why it comes. And it's not vengeance. Right? It's not to get even. No, some parents have disciplined that way. They're just, they just your kids just chapped your hide and made you look stupid. So they're going to get it. Right? No, but that's not correction. Right? We've—I I don't know—I've gone wrong there in, in times past. Maybe, hopefully, others. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm alone on this one. But you're just—you're just irritated, and you're like, Phew, "You're going to stop that right now." Right? And it wasn't really to correct. God chastens to correct. He always chastens to correct. We see conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. We see the chastening of God. He only chastens His own children. There's another one here, and I go back and I look at Balaam. Numbers chapter 22, it's kind of interesting, because in a way God rose against Balaam. Remember he was going, God told him not to go, he went anyway. He was supposed to curse Israel, right? And uh, he couldn't because God wouldn't let him, so he just spoke blessings. Oh, man, they're all upset about that. And he said, they said, well, come over here. And so he gets on his donkey and he's going over to where they want him to go. And, and on the way there, you know what happens is a donkey doesn't go. It pushes him up against the wall, crushes his foot. And Balaam's about ready to beat the tar out of this thing. And well, he is. And, and his donkey's like, uh, why are you doing this? <laughs> Isn't it weird that he just didn't go, uh-oh. He talked back to the thing, right? Oh, my goodness. What he didn't see was the angel in the way with a sword drawn, ready to kill him. Yeah. Watch. There, there, there was things I want to... Yeah, let me read it to you. The, then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and the sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. That was a good move by Balaam, finally. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, 
because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me and turned from me these three times, unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. My uncle had a feral cat he was trying to get rid of. Brought it out to the back of the place, about a quarter mile back on their place. and Dog followed him out there, their nice dog. And put the cat down to, uh, to expedite it off of this planet, let me say it that way. And uh, dog sat down right next to it. He said, get over here. And dog wouldn't come, wouldn't come, wouldn't come, wouldn't come. He said, shot the dog and brought the cat home. <laughs> so, so, be careful. Hey, <laughs> look what he said. Surely now I had slain thee and slay, saved her alive. I'd have let the donkey go and I'd have taken you out. Well, the donkey wasn't the problem, right? It was the donkey riding the donkey that was the problem. You see, as a child of God, God begins putting roadblocks in the lives of his children. Roadblocks. You know, when life just isn't getting traction. When it seems like you're just spinning your wheels. When it seems like you have, have, a, have a goal and you know it's outside of the will of God and you're just going a direction and you just, you, you just think, well, I, I'm, just, I'm just going. I'm just, I'm, I'm doing, I, I know what the Bible says. I know what the preacher says. I, I just don't agree with them. I like that. I know what it says. I just don't agree with your interpretation of it, right? And, uh, you know, that's, you know, okay. And they're just gonna, you're going to do your own thing. Can I tell you what? If you're a child of God, it's not going to go well. Roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. Things aren't working out. Let me go ahead and warn you of this also. You're on the road to being taken home early. Yep. You're on the road to being taken home early. Balaam was. He was pretty close. He's being pretty close to being checked out. Yep. David also. Remember David? Remember what Nathan said to David? Thou shalt not die. I mean, some have said, I, I don't, I, I, some have said it's probably at least a year's time from the time that David uh, uh, killed Uriah and had Uriah killed and with Bathsheba and all these things uh, until Nathan showed up. Could have been about a year's time. Yeah. If he hadn't repented there, it seems like, it seems like what came from God was you were going to come home early, son. Yeah. Remember what Nathan said to David? You have given the enemies of God an occasion to blaspheme. One of the most treacherous things out of that whole event. So we have conviction. We have chastening. We have challenging in our life. Child of God, God's going to put up roadblocks. Absolutely. Fourthly, and if you are a child of God and this happens to you, you won't know about it till later. But sometimes we see this. Sometimes the chastening of God comes to a final consummation and He does take somebody home. You ever watch somebody just, they, they, they claim, they claim uh, the name of Christ or a child of God and they live? I'm not talking about the daily struggles of the flesh. I'm talking they live, they live in wickedness with, with a, a, a total just, I mean, it's like there's a disconnect between their view of what they are and what the Bible says, and they just like, they go on and nothing ever happens. They just go on their own merry way, just doing fine. Yeah. Never darken the door of a church. I, I, there was a guy, uh, oh, I forgot, years ago, he was 
I was at a, a, a machine shop and with a friend of mine, he was picking up a motor, and there's a guy that was there. You know, the, you have these guys at these shops. You know, they just hang around all day. They have nothing to do, and they just sit around there all day. And and he said, "Yeah, I was a deacon at the Baptist church up here." And you know, and he goes from the bar to the shop, and the, and he just thinks it was the funniest thing in the world. He thought it was great. You know, hadn't been in church in years. I was a deacon. I was all right. No, no, eventually God takes his own home. No, there's times, maybe, I don't know, maybe you've had this when your own children are out in the neighborhood, out playing, uh, just being, being, being foolish, and they weren't listening, they weren't doing anything. Yeah, I mean, they just wouldn't listen to anything. And you finally said, all right, get in the house. Playtime's over. <laughs> you're done. But, wait a minute. <laughs> right? Nope, nope, you're done. You don't, you don't call the neighbor kids in, do you? You don't want to... Zach's like, no, I don't. <laughs> I mean, you don't. I mean, I mean, you call your own in, right? Yeah. Moses, can I tell you his eyes, the Bible says his eyes were not dim, neither was his strength abated. And God brought him to the top of the mountain and he died before his time. He was not going to be allowed to go into and, and, and take the children of Israel in. Why? He had sinned. Ooh. See, that seems rough. Okay, fine. You don't like that one? How about Ananias and Sapphira? Okay. Yeah. You want to examine yourself? Yeah. Here's an examination. God convicts his children of sin. God chastens his children to correct behavior. God challenges his children and pushes against their bad, sinful plans. And sometimes God brings children home. Examination. Examination. So can can you get away with sin? Maybe you're here tonight and you say, chastening, correction, I have no idea what you're talking about. Never experienced that. Friend, if you're a child of God, you know when you've experienced the chastening of God. You know it. You know how else you know it? Because when you get right with God, you know the joy that comes back when you get right with God. Amen. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not that your own selves, that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. There's a principle here. There's a principle throughout the Word of God. And I think it's a good thing to spend a little bit of time every once in a while in some self-examination. Obviously, there's going to be many that come before the Lord that day who never did. They never did look at what they did. Well, they did. They looked at what they did, but they never really considered their relationship with Christ. Um, You know... I'm going to stop there.
just, I was like right there pulling you in. No, I'm going to stop. We're going to stop there tonight. So, are you a child of God? Maybe somebody's listening online, watching online, and you've thought to yourself, I, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. I've never experienced that. You know, I do this, I do that, I, I read this and I read that, but I don't, boy, my goodness, I don't. I don't even know what, the, what you mean by chastening. I don't even know what you mean by conviction, conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. And, and listen, and don't confuse. I mean, listen, the world knows when things are wrong. Before I was saved, before you were saved, you knew things were wrong. It's not the same as the conviction of the Spirit of God. You know when that is. It's that, it's that dirtiness. It's that, it's that filthiness. It's that separation. You know you've, uh, you've experienced and you know you have offended, you have offended the God your, your Heavenly Father who you love. You know that. Yeah. And if you've never, if you've never, ever experienced that, if you've never known what it's like to be under conviction, you need to get saved. You need to come to Jesus. And you need to repent. You need to turn to Christ and get saved. So, be a good time to examine ourselves. Father, thank you. Lord, we want to thank you tonight. I, I, I know in this room tonight, in this crowd tonight, uh, I'm so thankful for the testimony of so many and uh, uh, just know that so many understand in this room uh, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of sin and uh, to be able to say, yes, we know what it is like for, to, to experience conviction. We know what it is to be under the chastening hand of God. We know what it is to have roadblocks put up in our life when we're going in a direction that God has said no. We know what that's like, and we're thankful for that tonight, Lord. We're thankful that you love us. We're thankful that you correct us. We're thankful, <clears throat> Lord, that you that you chasten us, and and you have a desire as a loving, perfect heavenly Father. You have a desire for your children, and we're so thankful for that witness that we have and that confidence that we have that we belong to Thee. We're thankful for that. Maybe there's somebody listening today. Maybe there's somebody here tonight that has never doesn't know a thing about what we're talking about tonight. And they need to examine themselves tonight. They need to examine themselves and they need to come to the realization and see that they've never been born again of the Spirit of God. They've never put their faith and trust in Jesus. They've never been saved and they need to do that even tonight. And Father, we just ask your Holy Spirit would do that work of conviction in them, that, that work of drawing them unto thee and that they would respond to it tonight. We thank you for what you have done and what you will do. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The instrument's going to play just for a little bit. Uh, and however the Lord has spoken to you tonight, maybe something has come up tonight. It's self-examination. Maybe something. Maybe the Holy Spirit in through this message tonight has brought something to your mind that He has been chastening you on and saying, hey, would you stop, please? Would you stop? That's a bad way. It's a bad direction. Maybe there's been some roadblocks up. Maybe there's been some discipline that's been coming in your life lately. Maybe you know it's there and you're not really sure what it's, what it's coming from and you need to look tonight kind of like David said and said, Lord, examine me. Remember he said, Lord, Lord, try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Maybe that's where you are tonight. You know the hand of God is maybe on you tonight. Maybe there's some correction coming and you just need to spend some time asking him, God, what is it? Would you show me by the Holy Spirit? Would you show me what it is? Friend, if it seems just 
insignificant and small. Don't despise that. Don't put that away. No matter how small it is, agree with God immediately and take care of it. Maybe you're here and you're listening. You're a child of God. You're listening online, maybe. And you are, you are in the, beyond the process of chastening and, and the challenging of God and the roadblocks. And you are, you are getting very close. You are getting very close to God taking you home. Would you turn tonight? Would you repent tonight? Let's stand and we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Remember those that aren't here tonight and unable to be here. And and we will uh, see you, Lord willing, on Sunday morning, Saturday morning. Uh, We'll be men's prayer. We'll see how the weather holds out to go hit some more doors again. I enjoyed that last, last week. So let's be dismissed in prayer. Hunter, would you close us tonight? Thank you.